Thanks for listening to Summit PA Sermon Audio, weekly teaching from the Summit Church in Indiana, Pennsylvania. SummitPA.church, every life made different. Uh, Today we're finishing our series that we started a few weeks ago called Daddy Issues. And this series is all about this idea that, um, oh, back around the turn of the the 20th century, a couple of psychologists, they came up with this idea that, uh, that our relationships are impacted by our relationship with our father. So if we have a, a good relationship with our father, it impacts in a positive way the relationships with around us. If we have a negative relationship with our father, it impacts in a negative way the relationships around us. And so as I thought about that, I thought, let's take that a step further. And I, I believe that our relationship with our earthly father also impacts how we view our heavenly father. Um, If we have a great relationship with an earthly father, I think it helps us have a better view or an image of our heavenly father. And likewise, if we have a bad view of our earthly father, if we've had a negative relationship or maybe no relationship, it impacts how we see our heavenly father. We might not even realize we carry this baggage with us, but I've seen this over and over and over anecdotally just in relationships as I've talked to people and walked with them um, over and over and over. I see evidence of this in our lives. And this is a problem that goes all the way back to the first century church. In 1 Corinthians chapter 4, Paul says to the Corinthian church, I do not write these things to make you ashamed, but to admonish you as my beloved children. For though you have countless guides in Christ, you do not have many fathers. For I became your father in Christ Jesus through the gospel. And what he's saying is, You've got plenty of information, you've got plenty of people teaching you, but you don't have fathers who will invest in you and really love you and and walk you through your issues and your problems and your junk, because that's what a father does. A teacher will give you information, and maybe if they're a spectacular teacher, they'll spend some extra time with you, but a father and a teacher are totally different. And what Paul says is, it's not that you lack information, but you lack someone investing in you, helping you. And what Paul says is, I'm your spiritual father, because... Uh, because of the gospel, because uh, that's the role that God has put us in. Um, and so what we see is that in our world, there's a lack of fathers, but there's a lack of spiritual fathers as well. Even in churches, there's a lack of spiritual fathers. Uh, one of the passages that we've looked at over the last few weeks is from Matthew chapter 3, and Jesus has been baptized, and it says in Matthew three sixteen, as soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water, And at that moment, heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And verse 17 says, And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I'm well pleased. Last week, we covered a couple of these statements. This is my Son, and this is my Son is so important because that that communicates acceptance. What he's saying is, he belongs with me. He is part of the family. And what we have to understand is, Scripture makes it clear to us that we are co-heirs with Christ. So when we surrender our lives to Jesus, we become co-heirs with him. We're children of God. So when God speaks over Jesus, he's speaking over us. So what he says over Jesus is, this is my son. And it communicates acceptance. And what you have to understand is he's communicating acceptance to you today. That you are accepted. You belong in this family. You are part of this family um, this is where our identity la- lies. It's not in anything else. It's not in our um, success at work. It's not in our bank account. It's not in um, how many likes we get on social media. None of that stuff matters at the end of the day. What matters is we are children of God. That is where our identity lies. 
So he says, this is my son whom I love. We talked about this a lot last week. This is the affection side, and I'm an affectionate person. I love hugs, and, um, you know, that's just who I am. And we talked about this, but as human beings in a parental relationship as a father, I want to say it, and I want to show it. So when it comes to affection and love, I want to over-communicate my love for someone verbally, but then I want to display it as well. I want to give hugs. I want to show affection to people in the way they, they receive affection. Uh, and our Heavenly Father does the same thing. He communicates it to us over and over and over again, and he displays his love to us over and over and over again in different ways. And again, you can go back last week and listen to that. And today we'll finish this statement. And this, at the end of this verse it says, with him I'm well pleased. And what we're talking about today is affirmation. So the three A's, some of you like this kind of stuff if you're taking notes, acceptance, affection, and affirmation. Normally I don't do that, but I went with the formula today. There you go. Uh, with him, I'm well pleased. When we talk about affirmation, one of the first things I think of is um, Dr. Phil. Does that make sense to anybody? Like, he's not very affirming, but like, you know, Oprah, like those kind of people. And um, there used to be a sketch on Saturday Night Live years ago, and there was a, a, a guy named Stuart Smalley. And on this sketch, he would say, I'm good enough, I'm smart enough, and doggone it, people like me. And he would affirm himself. That was his daily affirmation. And so sometimes when we think about affirmation, that's what we think of. But we shouldn't think of it that way at all. When we look at the textbook definition of affirmation, it means an act of saying or showing something that is true. And what we see in Scripture over and over and over is our Heavenly Father affirming us. And this isn't some sort of self-help uh, mumbo-jumbo. What it is is Him speaking truth to us. And, and more realistically, what He's doing is revealing truth to us that we don't yet recognize. Because there are things that we say or think about ourselves that the Heavenly Father goes, no, 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 you are wrong. That is not true. We think things like, I'm not good enough. God can never use me. My past will prevent me from my future. We think things like, um, I'm not far enough along in my spiritual development to be used maybe someday. And what God is trying to communicate to us over and over and over again is, no, you are my child. I want to use you. I've got a purpose and a plan for you. But over and over and over, we think things and believe things that are contrary. And so what God is trying to do when he affirms us is reveal truth to us, help us to see who we really are, what he really dreams for us to be. See, when it comes to affirmation, what we want and what we long for in the, in the physical and ultimately in the spiritual is we want to know that we matter, that what we do is important, that our lives are important, that our, our lives are having impact in others. And this is what we see our Heavenly Father speak to us about over and over and over again. And this is a statement I want to say to you today, and I hope you get this, I hope you understand this. People tend to become what the most important people in their lives think they will become. I'm going to say it again. People tend to become what the most important people in their lives think they will become. We tend to gravitate, our destinies tend to gravitate toward the words that are spoken over us. So when we have someone who's got importance in our life who says something over us like, you'll probably never amount to much because that's just how our family is our soul begins to gravitate in that direction. When we hear words spoken over us like, 
you know what, you'll probably never be able to go to college because nobody in our family ever has. You're, you're probably going to get a divorce just like the rest of us. Well, this is just how life is. Our souls tend to gravitate to those words. But I would say this as well. When we have people in our lives who, who we have assigned value to, that they speak life over us, and they challenge us to live our very best and to do our very best and to achieve more and to be more, our souls tend to gravitate toward that. So I, I want to I stop right here and say, if you're here and you had someone who spoke death over you in your life, I've got good news for you. You're not doomed to that because God has a different destiny and plan over you. One person was so excited about that. <laughs> so the implication for us with this statement is this. If we tend to become what the most, per, most important person in our life thinks we'll become, we have to understand two things. Um, the words that are spoken over me matter, but the words that I speak into other people's lives matter. The, the words I speak have weight and value. Um, you know, we're talking about being spiritual fathers and having spiritual fathers and what that means. And the words I speak over my girls matter because I'm an important person in their life. But if I fail to recognize that my words have weight for other people as well, then I'm foolish. And you would, I would say the same thing for you. You have to understand your words have weight and value. There are people you influence that you don't even recognize that you influence. There's a young man, he grew up in my youth ministry when I was a youth pastor in Austin, Texas. And he is now, <laughs> he's a youth pastor in Cleburne, Texas now. And I'm so proud of him. He's done such a great job. He's been through some challenges, uh, some difficulties, but he's doing a great job leading youth ministry in a, in a little church in Cleburne, Texas. And um, once in a while, he'll text me. He still watches uh, the videos, sermons, or he'll listen to the podcast, and he'll text me once in a while about a specific point and say, hey, what you said about this, man, so thank you for sharing that with me. And every time we talk, I, I always tell him, I always tell him, Colin, I love you. I'm so proud of you. And I tell him that intentionally because the truth is I've never been to his youth ministry. I've never seen what he does there. I've never actually experienced it. But what I know is my words have weight in his life because he looks at me as a spiritual father. And I want him to know how proud I am of what he's overcome and some of the challenges he's had. And I'm so proud that he's doing what God's called him to do because I want to encourage him in that. And, and this is the thing. I'm not just, I'm not just <laughs> blowing smoke up his skirt <laughs> to borrow a euphemism. I'm not just doing that. <clears throat> I'm speaking truth into him. Does that make sense? I'm speaking a truth to him that maybe he doesn't recognize. Because I want him to know, he might look and go, hey, I'm at this little church in Cleburne, Texas. But I want him to recognize his job, what he does, his life has meaning, has value. It matters. It's important. It's making impact. And so I want to communicate that every time I talk to him. I'm speaking truth into him. And you have the opportunity to do the same thing with the people in your lives. Because your words matter. When we affirm people, when we speak truth into their lives, it has impact, it has value. And what we have to understand is our Heavenly Father is continually speaking truth into our lives. He's affirming us. Uh, there's a passage of scripture that I came across a few weeks ago in the book of Zephaniah. 
Uh, I figured there's not enough messages in the book of Zephaniah, so that's where we're going to be today, is the, the, the book of Zephaniah. Some of you don't even believe that's really a book of the Bible. It is. It's in there, I promise. We're going to take uh, some time from this single passage, Zephaniah chapter 3, verse 17 today. And in Zephaniah chapter 3, what was going on is the nation of Israel had, had kind of split up. Uh, the nation of Israel had been basically disbanded at that point, and the, the the tribe of Judah, it was its own country at that point, it was still around. And so the tribe of Judah is in captivity at this point, and, um, and they had been in rebellion, they had begun worshiping false gods, and God is speaking through the prophet Zephaniah to help get them to turn their ways, to correct their course. And he gets to this point in Zephaniah 3 where he's talking about, here's what will happen if you bring your lives into alignment with God's word, with his plan for your life. This is what will happen. He talks about the benefits of that. And this is what he says in Zephaniah 3.17. Listen to this. The Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. He will exult over you with loud singing. I want to break this passage down for you and help you see that this is affirmation for us. This is God and how he acts as a heavenly father in our lives. The first thing we'd see here from this passage is the Lord your God is in your midst. We talked about this last week. We won't spend a lot of time here, but I'm so grateful that our God is a near God. He is not a distant God. He is a God that draws near to us, and he doesn't draw near to us just when things are good or just when we're behaving well or when we're um, you know, acting nice. He draws near to us in our worst. When you are neck deep in your mess, God draws near to us. He is close to us. And I'm thankful for that. Um, so I'm grateful that God is a near God. He is in your midst. He is near you. If you want to hear more about that, go back and listen to last week's message. We talked more about that. But just understand this. Proximity is important to intimacy. It's hard to be intimate with God if we're not close to God. And the closer we get to him, the easier it is to know him, to, to know his heart, and to know who, who he really is and what he desires for our lives. That's why it's so important to spend time with God daily. It's not just a religious routine you have to get into, but it's understanding that I'm putting myself in proximity to God. I want to be near him because I want to know him. So know that the Lord is in your midst. Number two, it says, a mighty one who will save. <clears throat> when I was a young man, uh, when I was a kid, I had this image of my dad, and I literally remember this uh, happening. I was in the backyard of my house that I grew up at playing with a neighbor, and we got into a discussion, and he told me about this bodybuilder he had seen on ABC's Wide World of Sports. Anybody remember? Old school? Okay. And he, he could lift so much weight, and he was telling me about this guy, and I go, oh, yeah? Well, you know my dad? I said, yeah. And I go, my dad can lift that house. <laughs> Big deal, <laughs> you and your bodybuilder. <laughs> I literally remember saying, looking at my house and going, yeah, my dad can lift that house. I've seen him do it. <laughs> Little did I understand the mechanics of a home and the foundation and, you know, brick and all that kind of stuff. But I was convinced that my dad was so strong he could lift the house right off the foundation if he chose to. Like it was on hinges, you know, he's just lifting it up. He's just, you know. Uh, I, I knew he could because that's the image I had of my father. That no matter what happened, he could come to my rescue. He was strong. He's a big guy. He's in his 70s now, but he still has... Fingers that look like sausages. I mean, they're huge. He's just a big guy. <laughs> and then my wife and I had been married just for a few years, and my dad had an accident one time. 
He fell, he was trimming a tree, and he fell out of the tree, and he broke some bones. It was not life-threatening, uh, but we got pretty quickly to the hospital where he was, and it was so jarring to me when I walked in the hospital room and see my dad, who I felt like was invincible and all-powerful, right? And this is how I envisioned him. I walk in, I see him in a hospital bed, and it was just like, <gasps> whoa, because all of a sudden this image I have of my father was shaken to some degree. And this is the thing, my dad is a wonderful man of God. And I know he would do everything in his power to save me and to rescue me and come alongside me. He's done it before, but he has his limits. He, I hate to be the one to tell you this, he can't actually lift their house. <laughs> but I'm so grateful because the heavenly father we serve has no limitations. Every situation we get ourselves into, God can come to our rescue. There's not a bully big enough that God will shrink back from the fight. He is a good father. He is a father that will rescue us. He will save us. What we see is he's a good father because he protects his children. 2 Thessalonians 3.3 says this, but the Lord is faithful. He will establish you and guard you against the evil one. I'm thankful for that. He protects his kids. We also see that he rescues his children. One of my favorite passages of scripture is Psalm 34, 18, and it says, the Lord is near to the brokenhearted and he saves the crushed in spirit. Another translation says, he rescues the crushed in spirit. When we're at our worst, that's when God is at his nearest. He comes alongside us and he rescues us when we're at our worst. That's who our God is. That's what our heavenly father does. He's a mighty one who will save. The third thing we see is, he will rejoice over you with gladness. And this statement is similar to the last statement we'll look at. But what we have to understand is this, he delights in his children. Um, this statement that he will rejoice over you with gladness, it's interesting because the, the way this is phrased uh, indicates that it is not a loud rejoicing. Um, and I would paint it, a picture to you like this. There are times that I'll be sitting in the living room of my house and I will hear my girls upstairs and they're not fighting. <laughs> right? but they're laughing with each other. They're enjoying each other. And there are times that they will be laughing hysterically. And I'm not about to go ask them what's going on. I'm not about to say, hey, quiet down, I'm watching television, right? But what I'll do most of the time when I hear that is I'll just take a deep breath. <sighs> Thank you, God. Thank you, God, that my kids enjoy each other, that they love each other, that they get along, that they like being together most of the time right? And I don't, have to, I don't have to go out and celebrate. I'm not high-fiving people. I'm not going, girls, great job for loving each other, right? I, I just sit back and enjoy that. I, I delight in that. And this is what our Heavenly Father does. When, when we are living lives of obedience and doing what he's called us to do, and he sees us winning and fulfilling our purposes for our, his life, or for his purposes for our lives, he delights in that. I, I, I believe that he just kind of sits back and goes, it's this kind of quiet delight that he has over us. That's what our Heavenly Father does. That's who he is. He rejoices over you with gladness. He delights in you. Uh, does anybody remember, there was an old show, it's probably on Nick at Night now, but an uh, old show called Leave it to Beaver? <laughs> okay, some of you are old. I, okay, good, okay. You didn't want to admit it. You're like, oh, I've never heard of that show before, Mel. Uh, so on this show, Leave it to Beaver, there was this, this neighbor, this buddy of Wally that would come over to the house. 
Anybody remember Eddie Haskell? What a weasel that guy was, right? And he would show up at the house, and Mrs. Cleaver would say, how are you doing today, Eddie? And he would say, very well, thank you, Mrs. Cleaver. My, you look beautiful in that dress today. And you just knew it's manipulative, it's phony, it's not real, right? He's saying that to gain, gain a position or to, you know, and what a weasel this guy is. And what we have to understand is um, God is not into flattery. He speaks truth. And so when we, when we think about a passage like this one, understand that God is saying to you today, you are delightful. And he's not saying it in a sarcastic way. He's not saying it in a way to flatter you. He literally takes delight in you. You bring God delight. Did you, did you know that? That's so incredible to me, that we have the ability to do that. that. That's God's desire for us. That when we live a repentant life, a life of obedience, it brings delight to our Heavenly Father. The fourth thing we see here, it says, he will quiet you by his love. Some of you have been trying to figure out how to quiet your kids for years, right? <laughs> this is what this means. Um, his love will bring us peace and quiet the, the, the storms of our life. It will calm our fears. Um, in the Hebrew, in the Hebrew language, they, they do not employ positive or negative particles. So what they don't do is if you ask a question, they don't say yes or no in the Hebrew, um, typically. That's why when Jesus was asked a question so many times, he would answer a question with a question, but sometimes he would put different emphasis on it. It's because they normally didn't respond yes or no in the Hebrew. Um, and so one of the things we see is affirming statements in the Hebrew are often repetition. So to affirm a statement or to prove that something is true, they will repeat a statement sometimes. And so what we have to understand is in the Hebrew, repetition is affirmative. So what do we see in the Old Testament that's affirmed over and over and over and over and over again? There's two statements that are used more than any other in the Old Testament, uh, and they're related. Uh, be not afraid and do not fear, or fear not. So what we have to understand is that fear is in opposition to God's plan for our lives. So when God is saying, hey, you don't need to be afraid, what he's telling us is he's revealing truth to us, that this isn't who we were made to be. That's not who we were designed to be, people of fear. Let me... Read this passage. It's from 1 John chapter 4, verse 18. And 1 John says this, There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfect or perfected in love. Now this seems a little bit confusing, but let me, let me put it in context today. Um, let's say you have a relationship with your father. And the relationship you have with your father is primarily punitive. He is, the, uh, he is the enforcer of law in your home. So if the primary way you see your father is the one who uh, punishes you, and that's it, it's going to be hard to, to know his heart and, and hard to love him. Has anybody ever had this conversation maybe with your mom? You were, you were in trouble, she was scolding you, and maybe you're pushing it a little bit, and she finally says, just wait till your father gets home. A few of you have. <laughs> That is one of the worst moments of any child's lives, right? <laughs> I had that conversation a few times with my mother. 
But the problem is, many times we begin viewing our Father in, a, in this narrow focus that he is our punisher, and that's all, that it's purely punitive, that that's who he is. And when we view our Father that way, it's hard to really know his heart. It's hard to accept love from him. Not that fathers can't discipline their kids, but if that's the only um, aspect of him we see, it's hard to understand him. And the same is true with our Heavenly Father. If all we see of God is that he's an angry God and he is, he, he, he's going to let us go to heaven, but if we mess up once, he's going to take us out. He's ready to erase our names out of the Lamb's Book of Life in a moment's notice. Then all of a sudden we start walking around on eggshells around our Heavenly Father. I just don't want to blow it. I don't want to mess up because we don't understand his love for us. And what it says here in 1 John is, there is no fear in love because perfect love casts out fear. So when we receive and we understand the love of God for us, we have nothing to be afraid of anymore. It puts life in perspective for us. So when our Heavenly Father comes to us and we experience his love, all of a sudden the fear we have about life dissipates. Um, now, I'm not making light of this at all, but I just want to put things in perspective. When we really understand the love of God for us, why should we be afraid about a layoff? Because if we really believe God loves us, why would I be nervous that, that we're going to end up, right, living homeless? Or if I understand God loves me and God's for me and I'm, I'm living a life of obedience unto him, why would I be afraid? If I really understand the love of God for my life, why would I be afraid about all the things that network news tells us to be afraid about. The other party, the other race, terrorism, disease, they're telling you to be afraid about everything. But when we understand the perfect love of God, that he loves us, that our Father is for us, why would I be afraid? In this passage, it says, he will quiet you by his love. So when his love enters into our situation, things calm down. It's almost like a parent who goes into the room of a child who's crying. My girls spent a lot of their early life in Oklahoma and Texas before we moved here. And there were some serious storms in Oklahoma and Texas. We get some storms here too. They're cute little storms, but they're, <laughs> they're nothing like we would get down there, crazy storms. And so there would be times that the storms would be so severe, the girls would be upset and you'd go into the room and you'd go, no, 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 it's okay, it's okay. Hey, 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 there's nothing to be afraid of. We're okay. You go in, you pull the child in your lap and you calm their fears, you encourage them, you affirm them, let them know it's gonna be okay. One of the things you may say is, hey, it's okay, daddy's here. Daddy's got you. So you're reassuring them with your presence. This is what our heavenly father does. He comes to us and goes, hey, 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 what do you have to be afraid of? Daddy's here. Daddy's got you. No, no, no. There's no reason to be afraid. It's just a storm. This is going to pass. You're going to be just fine, I promise. This is what our Heavenly Father does. See, he loves us more than we can recognize. You think about your love for your child, it doesn't hold a candle to how much God loves you. The last thing I would say to you is he will exult over you with loud singing. See, his joy about us causes him to sing over us. Um, I am not a great singer. I could prove it to you, but I'm not going to. <laughs> but I've sung many songs over my girls through the years. 
Um, they know how bad a singer I am, and they don't ask for it much anymore, but once in a while, Emma will still say, would you sing for me? Yeah, I'll sing for you. I'll sing a song over her. And it's not because I'm a great singer, because it's something about the nostalgia I would sing to them when they were little, and my girls know some hymns that they probably would never learn in our church, but I knew growing up, and I would sing songs like In the Garden over them. My girls know the verses of In the Garden, by the way, because I've sung over them so many times. And there's something about that. It's not because I'm a wonderful singer, but it's something about the Father being near and hearing the voice and singing over us. And that's what we see here, this picture, is that our Father sings over us. It's interesting because um, the, the New American Standard Bible says, he will rejoice over you with shouts of joy. This is loud. This is God saying, I can't, consume, I can, can't contain myself anymore. I can't hold myself back. See, God literally is cheering you on. He is cheering you on. The, one of the reasons I know my parents love me is when I was younger, I ran track, and they would come to track meets. That means you love your child if you go to a track meet, okay? <laughs> I, I talked before about uh, eighth grade band recitals. And they don't touch track meets, okay? Track meets are so much worse. And I can imagine our Heavenly Father cheering us on, that he wouldn't be some parent sitting up in the stands quietly with our arms folded. I can imagine God cheering us on, running alongside us on the infield of the track, cheering us on the whole way, rooting us on, encouraging us, telling us how much further we got. You got this. I believe in you. Keep running. Don't stop. This is what I envision our Heavenly Father doing. See, he doesn't hold back. He is not afraid to make a fool of himself for us. Um, I don't do this as much with Emma, my youngest, but Abby and I, Abby is, pray for her, she's wired like me in a lot of ways. Um, And so like once in a while we'll be at like the grocery store and we play this game that we don't intend to play necessarily, but the game is who can embarrass the other. (laughs) And she hasn't learned this yet, but I am unembarrassable. I just made up a word. Um, Because even though we live in a small town and even though every time I go to the grocery store, I'm gonna see 10 people I know, I don't care because if we're engaged in this game, I'm gonna win. I'm gonna make sure she's more embarrassed than I am every single time. So we'll do things like we'll sing or we'll uh, make noises or whatever in public. And I wouldn't, I don't do this to Emma because Emma is not crazy about it. But Abby, it's one of her love languages, I think. So... So we engage in this, and it's a way that I can show that we have fun together, that I can show her I love her. Um, But I'll be honest with you, when we're doing that, I don't really care who sees it. I really don't, because it's not about you, and it's not about me, it's about my child at that point. And I believe our Heavenly Father doesn't really care, because it's not about you. It's about his child at that point. So he does not mind getting loud for you. He does not mind being seen as a fool for you because he's encouraging you. He's affirming you. He's letting you know you can do it. He is for you. He is cheering you on. One of the things I learned, I think our Heavenly Father does, is that we praise loudly and we correct softly. I'm thankful that God does that over and over and over. 
I would also say we praise publicly and correct privately. Typically, this is what God does. The situations where you see God correct publicly, it's usually when he has given people opportunities to turn privately and they've refused. And ultimately, he loves people so much. He wants to restore them and reconcile with them so much. If it takes shame to get them to be reconciled to him, he will use that if he has to, but that's not his heart. That's not his desire because he's a good father. But he's cheering us on. He's making a spectacle of himself for us. See, we've been using this passage in 1 Corinthians throughout this series at the beginning, and it's kind of our touchstone for the series. And I've read 14 and 15 to you, and I want to read on now. In verse 14, it says, I do not write these things to you to make you ashamed, but to admonish you as my beloved children. For though you have countless guides in Christ, you don't have many fathers. For I became your father in Christ through the gospel. Now listen to verse 16. I urge you then, be imitators of me. So what Paul says to the Corinthian church is, Hey guys, listen, I've got a role as a spiritual father in your life. And I'm here to help you. And I'm here to do the things that a good spiritual father would do. I'm going to sacrifice for you. I'm going to fight for you. I'm going to correct you if I have to. But I'm going to be a father in your life. And then he says, be imitators of me. He's saying, do what I do. What is he doing? Well, he's becoming a father to others. See, I told you before, our world needs fathers, but our churches need spiritual fathers. And this is my challenge to you today. God wants every single one of us to be a spiritual father or mother to someone. He wants every single one of us to invest our lives into other people. And you might be sitting here today and you go, Mel, I don't really feel led to do that. I've got good news for you. There's some things you don't have to feel led to do. You just have to be obedient to do them. So it's not about feeling like you should or not. It's about saying, God, I'm going to be obedient to what you're calling me to do, what you're speaking for me to do, and I'm just going to do it. You go, well, Mel, how do I figure out how to do that? I would like to introduce you to Pastor Ricky and Pastor Christina. They would love to help you be a spiritual mother or father for some students, for some kids. There are teenagers and there are children in our children's ministry that desperately need someone who will speak life into them, affirm them, show them affection, come alongside them. And you say, well, Mel, I'm not very spiritually mature. That's okay. If, if, <laughs> if hitting the apex of spiritual maturity was required to pour into other people, we wouldn't have churches because we couldn't have pastors because I am not at the apex of spiritual maturity if you, if you didn't know that by now. <laughs> Let me be a little more specific. Um, men, lots of women have stepped up to say, we're going to lead a small group. Lots of women have stepped up and taken up the mantle of saying, I'm going to be a, a spiritual parent to some other people in our church. But we are woefully lacking in men who will step up and say, I'm going to father some other men. I'm going to lead them. I'm going to shepherd them. I'm going to help them become who God's called them to be. And this is where I'm throwing down the gauntlet to a whole bunch of guys in our church saying, it's time for you to step up. It's time for you to, to lead, not just in your home, but in our church as well. There are opportunities for you to lead groups. Uh, we'll help you. We'll get you the right curriculum. We'll get you teaching guide. We'll get you whatever you need to help lead a group. 
But it's time for you to step up and say, I'm going to be who God's called me to be, a spiritual father to others. And you might say, I'm not qualified. I've got good news for you. If you are ahead of anyone else spiritually, you are qualified to father them. Because I promise you, no matter where you're at, there's somebody that's behind you. So if you're anywhere on the journey, we'll help you find somebody that you can lead. I promise you that. We, I'm not going to say we need you to. You need to step up and become a spiritual father. You don't have any idea what you're missing out on. You don't have any idea what you're missing out on. See, as we've talked through the last few weeks, we've talked about this is my son, acceptance, whom I love, affection. With him, I'm well-pleased, affirmation. And these things are not just principles for your home or for our church, but these are principles for the world. These are principles you can apply in your workplace. If you lead people in your workplace, these are principles you can apply. Do you know how I know that? I'll prove it to you. Inc. Magazine published an article on August 15th, 2016, and the title of the article was, Want to Double Your Employees' Loyalty? Science Says Provide These Three Things. Anybody want to guess what they are? Number one, belong. They want to work someplace they belong. This is my son. You belong here. They want to be someplace they're safe. Who I love. You're safe here because I love you and I'm for you. Number three, they want to be someplace they matter. With him, I'm well pleased. These are principles you can apply in your life. Your employees will thank you for it by just being a spiritual father where you're at. I'm not talking about making a quantum leap in your spiritual life, becoming all of a sudden translated into this man of God. You are the exact person God is calling you to be. You're in this process. So in the meantime, become a spiritual parent. Become a father and see what God will do. Maybe you're here today and you're saying, Mel, I don't know if I can be a spiritual father because I'm not even sure I'm a child of God. And that's okay. I'm going to give you that opportunity in just a moment because I don't want anybody to leave here without being adopted into the family of Christ, surrendering your life to Jesus and becoming a child of God. That's what this thing is all about, growing in our faith and becoming who God's called us to be. So if you would, bow your head and close your eyes all over this room. Today, if you're here and you say, Mel, you know what, as you talked, I realized today, I'm, I'm not even sure I'm a child of God, but today I want to surrender my life to, to Christ. I want to become a, a son of God. I want to become a, a co-heir of Jesus like you talked about. I want to know what that is to be adopted in, a child of God, to know the love of the Father. I'm not going to embarrass you or make you come forward. I just want to pray with you. So if that's you, would you be bold enough to slip your hand up real high where I can see it and you can put it right back down? Thanks. Yeah, here in the center section, a couple of hands. Thank you. Who else? Thanks, over here on my left, I see you. Praise God. Who else would say, pray for me, Mel? Today I want to make Jesus Lord of my life. I want to surrender my life to him. Okay. I want everybody in the room to repeat this prayer with me out loud. Say, dear Jesus, thank you for loving me. And thank you for paying the price for my sins by dying on the cross. Thank you that today you are alive and well. You're interceding for me in heaven. From this day on, I am yours and you are mine. Use me for your glory and help me never go back to my old ways or life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Can we give God a round of applause today?
Listen, if you prayed that prayer today, whether you raised your hand or not, if you prayed it and you meant it, uh, I'm so proud of you. I'm so excited for you. And I can't wait to see what God's going to do in your life. I would love for you to take just a moment and fill the card that's in the seat back in front of you out. On one side, it says need prayer. On the other side, it says salvation. If you would fill out the side of the card that says salvation and just drop it in one of our offering boxes, you'll leave. There's two in the back of the room by the main doors, one in the balcony and one outside these east doors as well. Uh, And one of our staff is gonna reach out to you in the next day or so and help you take the next step in your faith journey. And if you're watching online and you wanted to respond today, uh, or if you're here in the room and couldn't reach a card, you can simply text the word salvation to the number 555-888. When you do that, we're gonna reach out to you. We're gonna help you take the next step. And if you're here in Indiana, we're gonna help you get connected here at Summit Church. But if you're somewhere throughout the United States or even the world, uh, we're gonna help you find a church in your area that you can connect with and begin to grow in your faith. So thank you so much for worshiping with us today. Here's what's gonna happen now. The worship team's gonna lead us one final song. We're going to sing together and go after God together. And while we're doing that, our prayer team is going to come up and they'll be available on either side of the stage. And if you need prayer for any reason at all today, as we begin to sing, step up from your seat and find one of them. Let them agree with you in prayer. And then in just a moment, Pastor Todd Stanley, our worship pastor, is going to come and he'll dismiss us and close us out and, uh, and, and, and finish us off, send us home. So why don't you stand to your feet all over the room? We'll worship together one more time before we go today, guys. I hope you know I love you more than you know, and I'm so glad that I get to be your pastor. God bless you guys. Have a wonderful day.